You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, uh, and welcome to the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. Um, <clears throat> you can find out more about me at my website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Uh, you can also uh, email me at uh, jeff at americaswebradio.com with your uh, questions and answer uh, questions and comments. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, what I want to talk about on this program is what you want me to talk about. But um, until then, so we get some comments and questions, and uh, we change directions uh, a little bit. We're gonna I'm gonna pick back up where we were a couple of weeks ago last last week. For those of you who are with us, uh, we had uh, our first guest since I've been the host, um, Milton Denny, friend of mine, a uh, very interesting guy. Uh, that, was a, that was a good conversation. There was a lot more I wanted to ask Milton. So I'll have to uh, try and get Milton back on the program uh, sometime in the future. And we are working on uh, getting another guest to come onto the program. Uh, so uh, that's, a, that's a process uh, we're working on. But in the meantime, <clears throat> I believe last, uh, well, week before last, um, well, since we started, I started the program, uh, we've been talking about, uh, boundary disputes and, uh, what needs to happen in order to win boundary dispute in court. We've gotten, um, some, some ways into that discussion, but I believe what we did was we left off two weeks ago. We were talking about evidence. We were talking about the uh, federal rules of evidence, which have basically become the national standard now uh, as far as uh, the evidence rules go. Uh, just to recap a little bit on that, uh, the rules of evidence, the federal rules of evidence, and the federal rules of civil procedure, which aren't quite uh, as important uh, for us uh, land surveyors and property owners who might get involved in a boundary dispute. We don't need to know the, the rules uh, of procedure um, all that much. Um, the attorneys do, of course, and there's probably a few things in the rules of procedure we should be aware of. But uh, it's the rules of evidence that uh, we've focused in on and uh, the importance of evidence and the importance uh, for, the, for the surveyor who is uh, wanting to be credible in court and when it comes to boundary dispute cases and uh, the testimony of experts, it's it's all about credibility. If you don't have any credibility, uh, more than likely you're not going to be believed. And if you're not believed by the trier of facts, uh, more than likely you're going to lose the case. So it is about credibility, and <clears throat> part of being a credible witness is understanding what you're doing. And understanding what you're doing has to do with uh, the rules of evidence um, that uh, we started a discussion on. I believe I believe where we ended up was um, we were beginning. I was I was moving into uh, parole evidence. Now parole evidence that simply means um, uh, oral evidence um, that uh, the surveyor uh, might want to consider. Uh, when making a um, when when working on uh, a well reasoned uh, determination, a well reasoned opinion 
on the location of property lines on the ground. Uh, as, as we discussed in the final analysis, um, the, the only, the, the only people needed for, uh, the determination of a property boundary line on the ground, the only people needed, the only evidence needed is the testimony of the plaintiff, uh, and the defendant. Uh, for a judge to, uh, a judge sitting without a jury, or even with a jury, uh, to make a determination where the property line is located on the ground. And so that, that should be, uh, very, uh, key, uh, thing to focus in on, um, as, as a surveyor who is gathering and evaluating evidence as to where the property lines have become established on the ground. If the, if the only if the only evidence needed is the testimony of the plaintiff and the defendant, then it would seem um, uh, it would just seem logical that the surveyor would want to know what those um, people have to say themselves. Um, want, uh, the, who, who knows who the plaintiff's going to be? It could be your client, or it could be the next door neighbor, or it could be any one of the next any one of the adjoining properties to the property that you're surveying. So it is important to um, to consider uh, that 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 per, that parole evidence uh, when and when conducting a survey, uh, a retracement survey of property. So that's what we're going to talk about today uh, is parole evidence. We're going to listen to some testimony, some actual testimony that took place uh, in a, at a trial um, from a from a court opinion. A really good court opinion, uh, in, in my, uh, estimation on the importance of, uh, oral testimony and, and parole evidence. I've covered this case, uh, many times, uh, in my seminar presentations. I've actually created a mock trial, uh, based loosely on this case. And the case is the Tennessee Court of Appeals decision in uh, Dowdell versus Cotham. Uh, it has some really great um, oral testimony. We're going we're gonna to walk through uh, what we hear from the parties. Uh, the, basically, all of the facts that are laid out in this have to do with the testimony of the parties uh, that were involved in the case. So uh, this is going to be uh, a good case for us to look at and when we're, dis- when we're thinking about and discussing Oral testimony and um, and parole evidence, which <clears throat> really the only difference between the two would be uh, oral testimony would be formal testimony given on the stand. Parole evidence would be the same thing you're going to hear uh, as a land surveyor gathering evidence would be the same thing you're going to hear from the parties uh, in the field before there is a lawsuit. Now, back to the rules of uh, federal rules of evidence um, real quickly. Last time we were discussing it, I, I promised that I would put uh, the Federal Rules of Evidence up on my website so that you can download it. Uh, it is there, uh, a complete 2020 um, a download of the Federal Rules of Evidence, and you can find it on my website by clicking on the Resource tab uh, along the top of the website. That's uh, lucasandcompany.com, the Resources tab. We have several different resources in there. Uh, they're all free. They're all, they're all downloadable and they're all free. 
But uh, if you'll look under there for the the federal rules of evidence, um, without the Z, I think we have it in there by federal rules of evidence. Uh, and you can click on that link and you can download uh, a complete copy of the rules. I've highlighted uh, some some of the more important rules with a yellow highlighter on that document. And one of the ones I want to talk about is uh, uh, real quickly is because it's going to be it's going to be um, uh, relevant to the discussion we're having here today is uh, an exception to the hearsay rule, and that is Rule uh, 803, subparagraph 20. The the 800 rules and the federal rules of evidence um, are the uh, hearsay rules, and hearsay, generally speaking, is not admissible. But there are exceptions. There are exceptions. What is uh, to to hearsay that um, that can be heard in court? And one of the very one of the important ones for um, the retracement surveyor is um, is Rule 803. Subparagraph 20, which uh, basically says um, it is not hearsay to um, uh, for for someone to uh, repeat or talk about uh, in, at trial uh, history in the community um, as to uh, as to boundaries. Well, well, I'm sitting here. Why don't I just go ahead and pull that up? Um, Let's see. This will just take a second here. Rules of evidence. Federal rules of evidence. Uh, if I scroll down to uh, the 800 rules, which I am doing, and I, here it is. It's uh, Rule 803, Paragraph 20, Reputation Concerning Boundaries or General History. A reputation in a community arising before the controversy concerning boundaries of land in the community or customs that affect the land or concerning general historical events important to that community, state, or nation. Now, where the rubber meets the road on this uh, on this exception to the hearsay rule, and this has happened to me on a couple of occasions uh, in court, is um, <clears throat> I have gone out. Uh, to the field uh, investigating um, property boundaries uh, for a survey. And, and in one instance, I knew we were going to litigation, so I was up and down the block. And um, I found um, the, the, the person that I, I believe uh, I've referred to this person before, uh, old-timer. Okay, old-timer is a guy who's been in the neighborhood. Uh, he's, you know, sometimes maybe called the busybody. Um, or the guy who sticks his nose into everybody's business, but he's been there forever and he, um, he knows everybody's business. But also another very important thing that this, um, this guy might know, and it could be, a, it could be a, a lady, it could be a woman, but I call him old timer. <clears throat> old timer, uh, knows something about the boundaries in the community. And so, uh, me as a surveyor, I can go, if I, if, and I try to run into these people, you know, all the time, whenever I can. I'll knock on doors if I have to. But uh, generally, if you're out uh, surveying around in a community, in a neighborhood, uh, old-timer is that, kind of, is that guy who's going to see you out there surveying, and he's going to come out of his house, and he's going to strike up a conversation with you because he wants to know what you're doing. And especially if you're milling about uh, his, his property corners, you're digging around for property corners, 
And um, but, but usually before I do that, I have knocked on someone's door to um, to see if they're home and to see if they'll show me their property corners because that, that's really the best right there because. If if I could get old timer to come out, you know, come out of the door with a proffer of a business card and um, tell him what I'm doing and uh, ask him to show me his property corners. Well, if this thing ever goes to court, which in some cases you know it's going to court, not all cases, but some cases you know, you know it's going to court, then that, now you know what this guy's going to say before he ever says it. You're going to know what his testimony is going to be when he gets on the stand, unless the guy just just lies to you out in the field, which. I generally find, at least in my experience, that most landowners are, are are pretty decent, honest people, and they only want you know uh, they only want the truth of the matter when it comes to boundary lines. They only want what's theirs. Are there dishonest people out there? Yes, there are, and you run into them a lot if you get involved with lawsuits. If you get involved with expert witness testimony, there are a lot of people out there who are not. Decent and honest, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I find that most landowners, um, and especially old timers, sometimes they have too much information. Okay, so you got to filter it. You got to you got to filter the information you're getting. You got to keep them on track sometimes. But uh, if you get them to come out and show you where the property corners are located, at, and they can tell you something about the history of the boundaries in the community, then I can write that down in my field book. And um, I could take the extra step of of handing my field book to the old timer and say, is this essentially what you told me about these boundary lines? Yes. Well, do you mind signing my field book and, and dating it there? No. So they could sign uh, my field book and date it, and I have a actual record of it that I, that I made in the field. But even without that, Rule 803.20 allows me as an expert witness to come in and testify in court exactly what Old Timer told me about those boundaries. Now, what's generally going to happen in most cases is there's going to be an objection from the other side because it's it's pure hearsay. Sure. If, they, if, we, if the court wants to know, uh, if we need to know what Old Timer has to say about boundary lines, then we need to bring Old Timer into court. Jeff, we need to uh, take a break on that note, okay? We'll be back okay. with Jeff right after this. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, glad to be back. Welcome back to the break. I'm Jeff Lucas. I'm your host. Uh, I wanted to uh, say a word about ESP Associates. Uh, they are that's engineering, surveying, and planning out of uh, the Charlotte area, North Carolina. Visit them on their website at www.espassociates.com. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Old timer and talking about old timer on the stand. Now, most likely you're going to have to, uh, if you're an expert and you want to testify as to as a reputation of the community that you heard from old timer in the field, you're going to have to make your attorney aware uh, of this rule, the 803 subparagraph 20 rule, because uh, this very likely the attorney uh, may not know anything about that because the attorney may not have uh, have used that rule on very many occasions. So you're going to have to let the attorney know about it because you're probably going to get a probably going to get an objection from the other side. <clears throat> but the rules allow that hearsay. So uh so that's what we're going to talk about here today. Uh let me set this up for you. This is Dowdell versus Cotham, Tennessee Court of Appeals, 2007. Very interesting case. Okay, the action is going to take place um in um in uh, Greenbrier, in Greenbrier, Tennessee, off Old Distillery Road, and we have uh, Dowdell on the on the piece of property. Uh, this is this is out in the country. Uh, Dowdell owns a piece of property, probably a quarter of the size. I'm looking at it on Google Earth right now. About a quarter of the size, a quarter of the size of the Cothams. Cotham's on a larger track, and they were running, uh, at, at the time of the trial, they were running cattle on their track. Uh, these two tracks came out of the common grantor, um, which uh, has a little bit, um, well, comes into play to a certain extent. Um, the Cothams bought their property, the larger track, where they were running cattle. Uh, now, they're situated, um, Cothams are situated south of Dowdell, Dowdell's to the north. And there is a ditch with an old fence running through the ditch that runs uh, east and west. Um, it's an, it looks like just a natural division between the two properties. But uh, neither property owner, Dowdell nor the Cothams, uh, claim to know exactly where the property line is between their two properties. In 1983, the uh, Cothams bought their, their track. And they did not have it surveyed. They, they had a deed, um, and they have a deed that they talk about uh, that describes their property, but they never exactly knew where the boundary line was between their property and the property to the north. A couple of years later, about two years later, uh, Dowdell purchased the property to the north. He also did not have his property surveyed, and um, he saw the ditch and 
uh, basically assumed that the ditch uh, was the boundary line between his, his property to the north and the Cotham's property to the south. So that's where we'll uh, we'll pick up the uh, case. Now, Dow Dell, <clears throat> after living 20 years next door to each other, uh, maybe a little over 20 years next door to each other, they had never really uh, had many conversations between themselves. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear in the testimony they maybe talked twice in that 20-year period. They never had a problem. But Dow Dell uh, eventually decided uh, sometime in 2003, late 2003, early 2004, he was, he was going to sell his property uh, and move on. Uh, there was no animosity uh, here. He's just moving on for whatever reason. And so in, in preparing to um, survey and uh, preparing to sell his property, he hired a surveyor. And we're going to hear from Burns, the surveyor, who uh, came out and surveyed the property. When he did, uh, Burns uh, set uh, property corners south of the ditch and um, it, 15 or 20 feet inside uh, inside the uh, the Cotham's property to the south, along a fence that the uh, that the uh, Cotham's had built, uh, and and you're going to hear later it was a containment fence. It wasn't meant to be a boundary fence. So uh, the surveyor Burns came out there and uh, and staked out that fence line uh, as as a property line, and then uh, that's when the problems ensued. So. Um, Dowdell hired registered surveyor Mike Burns to conduct a survey of his property in an attempt to resolve the dispute. Burns testified as an expert of the trial, but explained that the actual field work had been completed by his associates. Okay, Burns is on the test is on the stand and he's testifying. They're asking him questions and he's testifying about uh, how he conducted the survey. And the first thing that we hear about in this opinion is. Uh, he explained that he did not do the actual field work. Uh, it was actually completed by his field personnel. Okay, he's he's made the first step towards losing credibility here, because Burns actually never left the office when this field when this survey was conducted, and the survey is was actually the spark that ignited the um, the uh, litigation in this case. Burns said that hit the surveyors easily identified two corners or pins of Mr. Dowdell's property in a third corner, which was adjoining Mr. Dowdell's neighbor to the north. Burns added that these three points were sufficient for him to conduct a survey. He admitted, however, that the line between the Cotham and the Dowdell properties was not certain. Burns explained that it was common practice when surveying not only to pull deeds from the subject property owner, but to pull deeds from property surrounding the subject property. And I'd add this, if you're going to pull those deeds, Mr. Burns, one of the things you ought to do is probably read them, which apparently he didn't. Or if he did read them, he didn't do any additional work to figure out where these adjoining properties were located. When he determined that the Dowdell track was once part of a larger parcel now lying across the road from Dowdell, Burns used this old line to determine the coordinates of his final boundary line between Dowdell and Cotham. So, in other words, uh, Burns is what uh, I refer to as a deed staker. All, all a deed staker needs is a starting point and an asthma and some geometry from a deed, and then a deed staker can very precisely put 
uh, the deed geometry on the ground. And this appears to be what, uh, what Burns did in this case. And when he did, when he jumped over the ditch, uh, and staked out, um, staked the pins out, um, uh, close to the Cotham's containment fence, well, that's what started, that's what started, uh, the entire litigation. On cross-examination, Burns stated that he had been retained by Dow Dell to conduct a survey of the property because Dow Dell wanted to know the location of his property line. All right, what does that tell you? Is Dow Dell interested in knowing what his uh, where his, his um, theoretical deed line is, or is Dow Dell interested in knowing what his where his property line is located? And this has been one of the big problems uh, in American land surveying for a long, long time, uh, primarily because of uh, the writings of Curtis Brown, um, what I generally refer to as the Brown Books, Evidence and Procedures, uh, and um, Boundary Control and Legal Principles. And, and I've given Brown a lot of grief in, uh, in seminars and in, and in some of my writings for, um, for this idea that all the surveyor is supposed to do is go out and stake out um, uh, stake out the geometry from a client's deed. Because when that happens, when, when the surveyor um, precisely stakes out the, the geometry from a client's deed, in many cases you're going to end up with, um, with uh, pins or monuments being set by the surveyor in new locations where they have never, ever existed before. And that's exactly what happened in this case. That's exactly what happened in this case. But interestingly enough, and I want to go back to Brown for just a second, he wrote a, he wrote a column for the old surveying and mapping, uh, publication, uh, of the ACSM, the American Congress on Surveying and Mapping, back in 1979. It was entitled, Land Surveyor's Liability to Unwritten Rights. <clears throat> now I have a, I have a big problem with, uh, the term unwritten rights. But we don't have time today to get into that. We'll get into that in a, in a future program. But in essence, he recanted. He recanted on his earlier writings, and, and I'll just read a couple of excerpts from this from this 1979 column. In my earlier writings, I generally advocated that surveyors should locate land boundaries in accordance with a written deed. All conveyances based on unwritten rights should be referred to attorneys for resolution. Within recent years, there have, there have been cases, one in particular, where surveyors have been held liable for failure to react to a change in ownership created by prolonged possession. Um, further, can a surveyor monument lines of ownership obtained by unwritten means? To my knowledge, absolutely nothing in the law prevents them from doing so. Clearly, from my conversations with attorneys, this is not the unauthorized practice of the law. If the surveyor chooses to claim that a possessory right has ripened into fee title, he is certainly privileged to do so. The real question is, what should he do? Um, which is our question today. Uh, also in that article, he, he said something else very interesting. Even though he has been, he's the father of, of, uh, deed staking theory, simply go out and stake the deed, and, and leave problems to the attorneys. He's the father of that. Uh, he actually knows something different here. Uh, from the same article, what did the client have in mind when he asked the surveyor to locate his boundaries? Was he asking the surveyor to locate his ownership or just the deed lines? 
as all surveyors should know, there's a vast difference between ownership and written deed rights. The written deed is merely evidence of ownership, not proof of ownership. Title to land can be transferred by unwritten rights. For, from my experience with clients, very few know where, that there is a difference between the two. Most clients want to know what they own. Wow. They want to know what they own, according to Curtis Brown. Of course they want to know what they own. They don't need to have some fantasy as, as to what possibly they own um, when the reality on the ground is, is something very different. That's what this Dowdell versus Cotham is, is teaching us here. Uh, Dowdell hired Burns to show him the location of his property line, not some... Uh, fantasy as to as to where his property might be located if 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 uh, if all the geometry in his in his deed worked out. Picking back up with the case, um, Dowdell told Burns that the Cothams believed their property line went all the way up to Dowdell's driveway. Burns recalled that Cotham's deed contained a measurement of fifty four point six poles along the road which equaled 900.9 feet of frontage for the Cothams. However, Burns believed the Cothams' deed was a bust, meaning that the survey line would not close. He said if you read the cause of the Cothams' deed literally, it would take 972 feet to close. Burns said he did not know if any of his surveying team walked the road frontage of the property. So according to Burns, um, Dowdell's, um, the Cothams' deed has a bust somewhere to the tune of about uh, 30 or 40 feet. And um, this is the reason why uh, the Cotham's think that their deed goes north of the ditch line and all the way up to Dowdell's driveway. On drawings presented at a trial, 900.9 feet of roadway frontage for the Cothams re resulted in an overlap or encroachment upon Dowdell's property by 68.62 feet. So Burns, the results of Burns' survey is he's south of the ditch, maybe some 15 or 20 feet, and the deed dimension in the Cothams deed of 900.9 feet puts their line north of the ditch, about 20 or 30 feet up near Dowdell's driveway. Burns said he never measured the road frontage based on the Cotham's deed. He admitted that one of his associates could have done such a measurement, thereby resulting in a 68.62 overlap shown on the sketches. However, he denied any overlap of the two property lines according to his survey findings. Burns admitted that, uh, that his results are based in part on calculations based on the on the deed done by the computer. In conclusion, Burns held firm to his testimony that his survey accurately reflects the boundary of Mr. Dowdell's property. So Burns doesn't even know if his people measured uh, the frontage uh, for the Cothams, and he doesn't know if, there, if an overlap actually exists between the two properties, although his field people we're giving opinions in the field that there is a 
a 68.62 overlap. So Herschel Dowdell gets on the stand. He said he bought his property in July of 1985. He said at the time he purchased, he had no knowledge of the boundary lines. Mr. Dowdell said he walked the property and found two of his corners and eventually decided the northern bend of a neighbor marked his third corner. However, he had not located a distinct closing point for the property along the border with the Coffins. So in other words, Dowdell, uh, in, in essence, found the three pins and pointed them out to Burns people when they came out in the field. So that's all they needed to perform the survey was a starting point, an asthma, and geometry, and Dowdell's deed. Dowdell described a drainage ravine, brush timber area, and fence between the property, his property and the Cothams, Dowdell said. He first had a discussion with the Cothams about the boundary line in December of 2003 and into January of 2004 when he decided to put his property on the market. However, he did recall an over-the-fence conversation with Betty Cotham some 20 years earlier in which she told Dowdell that she felt the property line actually went over to Mr. Dowdell's driveway. You see, at some point in time, Betty Cotham did the Home Depot weekend project, and she went out. She found an old stone uh, at the... Um, southeast corner of her property uh, and she measured along the road frontage, along Old Distillery Road, her deed dimension. Uh, how she did that, uh, we don't know. Maybe she maybe she got a wheel. Maybe she, maybe she just took a, a tape measure that she got at Home Depot and measured the distance. But when she measured the distance, it went past the edge and up near Dowdell's driveway. So that's, that's her, that's her claim on where her boundary line is. According to Mr. Dowdell, he listed his property for sale in mid-2004. His prior to listing, he and Betty Cotham had another over-the-fence discussion about the location of the line. Dowdell said that the Cothams Cotham told him they would try to determine the location of the line so that any future buyer would know its location. Even though Mr. Dowdell described the preliminary discussions with Cotham as somewhat amicable, the tensions escalated near the time when Mr. Dowdell actually placed his property on the market. So uh, Dowdell put uh, hired Burns to come out and survey the, the boundary line. Then uh, Burns jumped the ditch, went south of the ditch 20 or 30 feet, um, to a, uh, a fence, uh, a containment fence that the Cothams had built uh, south of the ditch. And um, after the burn survey, then Dowdell took a for sale sign and he walked uh, out to the road and he walked south of the ditch down to the fence corner where there was a Burns pen and he put a for sale sign up. Okay, and that was that was the spark right there. That was the spark that started this entire dispute. When Dowdell went south of the ditch, down to their fence, down to the Burns uh, Burns corner at the, at the Burns pin in the ground at the fence, and put his for sale sign up on his property. Um, that's when. The, the proverbial, you know what, hit the fan. So, 
Costco's put down a little depot or Lowe's or someplace, and they got a they got a big four by eight sheet of plywood and some four by four posts, and they went right to the for sale sign and they put their own sign up facing the road in big letters on their big piece of plywood. They wrote no sale property line dispute. We only want what is ours. And this is not the correct property line. Okay, uh, Jeff, we're going to have to take a break on that. Okay. All righty, we'll be back right after this. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome back, folks. Um, all right, where we left off was... Um, the Cothams had put a, had put a sign up next to the for sale sign, um, next to the ditch. And their sign read, no sale, property line dispute, we only want what is ours, and this is not the correct boundary line. In the middle of the night, that sign got ripped down. We don't know by who. The next day, they turned the sign around, and they put a new message on the second sign. Tried three times to settle this to no avail. Our deed calls for 900.90 feet of road frontage, not 838. And the second sign also contained the warning, someone is watching. Mr. Dowdell said he saw people drive by his house and read the signs. He added that even though several people came back to look at his house, no offers were made. He believed the sign adversely affected his ability to sell his house by driving potential buyers away. Mr. Dowdell said that the dispute also affected him personally, resulting in lost sleep, anger, and fear. He felt the signs erected by the Cothams were threatening. All right, so what's he doing here? He's building a case for slander of title. And in order to have slander of title, he's going to have to prove, uh, he's going to have to show uh, some kind of uh, mental anguish uh, caused by, you know, damages. Okay, we've got to get some damages. Basically, slander of title is, uh, or actually, I think I have the court's definition of slander of title. Let's just look and see what they said about it. Uh, I'll have it marked. Basically, slander of title is uh, a slanderous accusation that is not about your title, that is not true, okay? Causation, because of the slanderous accusation, 
damages. Okay, so we're going we're going after damages uh, here, and uh, that's why he's trying to show mental anguish and this this fear uh, and the threatening uh, of the Cothams. These are people who lived next door to each other for twenty years, folks. Twenty years, never had one crossword. Mrs. Mrs. Cotham maybe said on, on two occasions that she measured her road frontage. And, it, and her deed goes beyond the ditch up to the driveway. And apparently, according to Burns, uh, uh, Dowdell's deed goes beyond the ditch to the south, creating an overlap. So, uh, and this is uh, we have one surveyor in court. And we have uh, the Cothams. By the way, the Cothams didn't even hire a uh, surveyor. I-, I told you that there, surveyors aren't necessarily needed for boundary disputes. Dowdell, in this case, Dowdell hires a surveyor, has a survey, shows a result, and the Cothams come in. Well, you're going to see what they came in. They came in with witnesses. That's all they came in with. Uh, back to Dowdell. When asked about his maintenance of the ditch line between the properties, Mr. Dowdell explained that he had done some cleanup work in the ditch and had mowed nearby. He also testified that the Cothams had cleaned up the area on occasion. See, he's trying to show that he's occupied that area down there. What, what, what do you need? After the burn survey showed that he owned down to the Cotham's uh, containment fence on the south side of the ditch, then he filed a lawsuit. Well, the, the signs probably helped uh, uh, help urge along the, the lawsuit, uh, someone watching. Um, uh, so then he filed a lawsuit. What did he file a lawsuit for? Quiet title. And ejectment. He, he wants he, the surveyor Burns. What did he ask Burns to do? He asked Burns to survey uh, his property so that he would know the location of his property line. So Burns has told him the location of his property line, and so Dowdell is reacting with a lawsuit. He wants what's his. Uh, I'm sure Dowdell is probably, you know, a very uh, otherwise a very nice guy and, and an honest person. The surveyor told him that he owns down to that fence. So he want, what does he want? He wants what's his. Um, he added that the Cothams had never done anything to exclude him from the disputed area. On cross-examination, Dowdell said that he did not have a survey form when he purchased his property and that no one showed him where the boundary line was at the time. He admitted that he had never claimed property south of the ditch until when? until the Burns survey placed the boundary markers at the fence. Now he has the idea. Matter of fact, he knows. He knows he owns that property down there because the surveyors told him he owns that property. However, he explained that he had never had a reason to identify a corner as being the property. Mr. Dowdell testified that he and the Cothams had never had a problem until, until when? until the Burns survey. Well, question about uh, various discovery responses. Mr. Dowdell agreed that he had witnessed the Cothams clearing the ditch on occasion, including removal of an old fence, but did not try to stop them. He later testified that the remnants of the old fence had grown into the tree were not on the Burns survey boundary line. Burns is 20, 30 feet south of the ditch. But there's an old ditch it had trees in it, and there was a fence running through the uh, the, the ditch. Does this tell you anything? Is this it's, is is any of this uh, piquing your interest as a surveyor? There's a ditch, the fence line running through the ditch, and the 
remnants of the fence are still in the trees. Uh, Dell admitted that he called the police. Called the police. They lived next door to each other for over 20 years. Burns comes out, jumps, jumps the ditch, stakes a line out south of the ditch, and then the first time Cotham walks into that area north of the ditch where Burns had staked out the line, Dowdell's calling the police. And we got, we got threatening signs. The next thing that's going to happen here, folks, is they're breaking out guns. Dowdell admitted that he Quick called stakes. the police. Is your answer to staking? Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, welcome back, folks. All right, so Dowdell and Cotham lived next door to each other for 20 years, and now Dowdell is calling the cops, calling the police on Cotham for, for mowing the area. So uh, Dowdell's pretty much done, and now Betty Cotham gets on the stand. <clears throat> She says she's you know she's owned her property since uh, since 1985, uh, uh, 83. Excuse me, Mrs. Cotham saw now Mrs. Cotham she she's actually kind of an old timer here in this one. She she's uh, um, she's a, 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 apparently a housewife and uh, and um, uh, she's she's watching her property. She's looking out her window. And, and she sees, uh, she sees the surveyors out there. Mrs. Cotham saw Burns survey crew on the property and engaged in a conversation with one or more of them. Now she's doing, she's already done more relative to this survey and supervision of Burns' crew than Burns did to the, to the entire survey. She's out there uh, having conversations with them about what they're doing in the field, getting clarification. She asked the crew why they were digging next to her fence. So, Apparently, when Burns comes up with this idea that the deed um, uh, from Penn shown to him by uh, shown to his crew by Dowdell, who has no idea where his property corners are, but um, the computer tells Burns that the property line is 30 feet south of the ditch. His crew's out there digging around fence corners. Now uh, that's understandable. Hey, if the, uh, if um, the evidence indicates that the boundary lines down there next to the fence, maybe there's some, some pins in the ground. Let's go, let's go out there and take a look. So they're digging around their fence, and she comes running out of her house to see what they're doing. It was when the survey 
It was when the survey stake marked the boundary line determined by Burns that the Cothams erected the signs on the corner of the property. So sometime after she saw them digging around her fence, sometime later, they ended up putting pins in the ground. They uh, obviously flagged those pins up, and that's when that's when they saw uh, that when they saw a pink flag in around the pins that Burns put in the ground, or possibly they flagged up her fence posts uh, next to the pin. Uh, that's when they knew, as all other, as all landowners know, everybody seems to know this except land surveyors. When the surveyor wrapped the pink flag in around the boundary, around the, the fence post or the or the pin, they are telling people what they own. And so that's when the Cothams decided they had to put up a, a sign in order to protect their property. During her testimony, Mrs. Cotham confirmed the content of the sign. She said the first sign was torn down, so they put up a second sign. Mrs. Cotham explained that the signs were to let others know that the property they believed that they had owned for over 20 years was not for sale. She said the reference to the sign to someone watching simply meant that they know that the first sign was torn down and they didn't watch at their property. Through the years, Mrs. Cotham said she did not know the precise location of the boundary line but believed that it was close to Mr. Dowdell's driveway. That's because she did the Home Depot weekend project. She went out there and measured her uh, She could read her deed, 900.9 feet. She'd be a great deed second surveyor. She, she read that deed, 900.9 feet. She went out there and found the stone at her southeast corner, and she measured her road frontage. And it was beyond the ditch up near the driveway. But listen to what she says next. And Burns could have heard this had Burns simply gone to the field. You want to talk to Mrs. Cotham, Mr. Burns? Why don't you go out there and dig around her fence corners instead of sending your crew out there to dig around the fence corners? Before you start the war, before you draw the battle line with your pens, why don't you go out there and do a little digging around? And then you would hear this from Mrs. Cotham. She added that she owned no less than the property alongside the ditch. Here's her. Here's this is her fallback position. Okay, my deed says nine hundred point nine feet. Now that's up near Dowdell's driveway. But I know one thing for sure. I own at least to the ditch line. At least to the ditch line. Right, Dowdell doesn't know what he owns. He doesn't know where the property line is. Mrs. Cotham claims her deed all the way up to the fence. Now, you, Burns, you think there's a bust in her deed, so that 900.9 feet might not be the right dimension. And now, here, if you had been in the field digging around the fence when she came running out of her house and you asked her a couple of questions, here's what she's going to say to you. But I don't know less than to the ditch line. At some point, she measured the distance from the stone on her property, which Mrs. Cotham claimed as a property, as a property corner, to a mark 900.1 feet away. She said that this measurement was based on a call on her deed. Mrs. Cotham explained that after property, the property was listed, and she and her husband met with Mr. Dowdell at Dowdell's request to discuss the boundary line. This is before the, this is before the survey. This is before Burns drew, drew the, the battle line uh, on the ground, drew the line in the sand. Mrs. Cotham said she informed Mr. Dowdell where she believed the line uh, to be located per her deed. So she told him it's up here near near the property, near the near the driveway. Now, what was one of the first things that um, that we heard in the testimony? It was either Burns or Dowdell. 
that um, I think it was Burns. Burns said that Mr. Dowdell told him that her, his neighbor to the south thinks that the line is up near the driveway. So Burns is on on notice that there's that there's a claimed over overlap between the two properties. Mrs. Cotham explained that after the property line, uh, they met with them, informed them. Okay. When asked about her adverse possession claim, well, she doesn't get her adverse possession claim. I'm running out of time. We're going to move on. On cross-examination, Mrs. Cotham affirmed that even though she did not know the exact location of the boundary line, she believed it to be north of the ditch due to her deed reference. She said someone from Burns' team measured the roll frontage and told her there was an overlap of 50 feet. Rumor Burns' testimony. He didn't even know if his people, if his field crew measured her road frontage. She's out there watching them measure it. And they told her that there was a boundary, uh, a boundary overlap of over 50 feet. He knows more about what Burns' field crew is doing than Burns does. Okay, here's Old Timer. I think I have enough time here. We're going to get into Old Now Old Timer's on the stand. This is Eamon Halsey. Who's Eamon Halsey? He testified that he previously owned the land now owned by the Cockles. He's their predecessor in title. He sold them the land 20 years earlier, back in 1983. And he lived in the community since 1960. This is, this is the quintessential old timer. He said that he had personal knowledge of the property line between the Cockthams and Dowdell. This is your Rule 803, subparagraph 20, exception to the hearsay rule. Halsey said that the property had been deeded to him from Lewis Elmore, who had reared uh, Mr. Halsey's wife. Apparently his wife was a stepdaughter of some type for Mr. Elmore. Uh, Halsey said, so this is, his step- this is his wife's stepfather. So, in other words, this is his, uh, his stepfather-in-law, I guess you would say. All he said at the time of the date, Mr. Elmore showed him the boundaries of the property. According to Halsey, Elmore owned both the Dowdell and the Cotham's property in the chain of title. This is your common grantor. The common grantor, in essence, sold the southern portion to uh, Halsey, and sold the uh, sold the northern portion to Lewis Elmore, some other kind of relative of of, of the common grantor. And when he did, according according to Old Timer, when he did, he showed them when he sold them the properties. He showed them the division line. All he said at the time of the deed, Elmore showed him the boundaries of the property. According to Halsey, Lewis Elmore owned both. Dowdell and the Cotham's property in the chain of title. Lewis Elmore then conveyed part of the property to Halsey, the southern portion, and the other part to it was Richard Elmore, some type of relative, maybe a son, to Richard Elmore. The Cotham property is the property previously owned by Halsey, while the property now owned by Mr. Dowdell was part of the property owned by Richard Elmore. He said that when Lewis split the property, he showed them the property line. Halsey stated that Lewis Elmore indicated that the boundary line between the properties was straight down the fence line all the way through the creek. He explained that the fence was in the crooked going. In and out. 
north side, south side, in and out. Halsey said during his ownership, he never had one question about the boundary line. Of course he didn't. The common grantor, his stepfather-in-law, took him and his brother-in-law, probably Richard Elmore, out to the boundary. And, and this is biblical here out to the boundary, and they put their hands on that fence, and they blessed that fence, and that became the boundary line between Old Timer and Richard Elmore. Halsey could not recall. In and out. Never had a dispute. Halsey said, could not recall whether he showed Cotham the location of the boundary line when uh, they bought the property. He reiterated his belief the property line was right down the gully along the old fence, which had been removed. Halsey explained the location of the old fence and said remnants of the old fence remained where it had grown into the trees. He testified that Mr. Cotham removed the fence and moved the fence over further onto Cotham's property. This is, this is what, this is, this is the containment fence. Cotham's testimony, which we may or may not get to, much of it, um, was that he went down there in the ditch. He was cleaning out the ditch when he first bought the property, cleaning out the ditch and getting the wire out of there to keep the cows from getting stuck down in there. Uh, or, or the cows were getting stuck down in the ditch and getting cut up on the barbed wire. And so he built a fence of containment about 20, 30 feet south of the ditch, and it was never intended to be a boundary line. And here's Halsey corroborating that testimony. Halsey said that he told Cotham he should have put the fence right back in the at the right place because he believed the fence is the boundary line. When asked about the maintenance of the ditch, Halsey said he had witnessed his Cotham's, witnessed the Cotham's cleaning the gully on a few occasions and also witnessed tree trimmers top of the trees in the line. That was old time. James Cotham. It's on the stand next. He says he's owned the property since 1983. Mr. Cotton said he always believed he owned to the Gulf, but by deed owned even further north. However, Mr. Cotton said he was not particularly concerned about the property north of the ditch. Why did these people ever go to court? Why did these people ever go to court? Well, let's recap. Dow Dell doesn't know where his property line is. He hasn't known where his property line is for 20 years. And he's had a couple of over-the-fence discussions, with, basically with Mrs. Cotham. Now, Mrs. Cotham, she would be a great deed-staking surveyor. They ought to give her a license in Tennessee right now. Um, she was all about that deed dimension. She measured that deed dimension, and she knew it went up beyond the ditch and up into Dowdell's driveway. But she also knew this. She knew at least, at least to the ditch. And what does James Cotham say? James Cotham says he always believed the ditch. Why did he always believe the ditch? Because all he told him the ditch was a boundary line. So we got two over, we got, uh, we got overlapping deeds, and we got a ditch. And we, and we got to go, Jeff. Okay. Thanks a lot, David. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.